It's Tuesday, June the 22nd, and this is your morning briefing from The Economist. Coming up, Ricey's hardline speech and COVAX supplies run low. First, the world in brief. Iran's president-elect Ebrahim Raisi took a hard line in his first press conference since winning a rigged election. He said he would refuse to meet President Joe Biden and that nuclear talks would continue only so long as they were in Iran's, quote, national interest. He did, however, raise the possibility of resuming diplomatic relations with Saudi Arabia after five years without them. The World Health Organization warned that COVAX, its vaccine-sharing program, is running out of supplies. COVAX has so far delivered 90 million doses to 131 countries. But more than half of eligible countries do not have sufficient supplies, and some have run out altogether. Africa is of particular concern. As cases surge across the continent, less than 2% of people have been vaccinated. China's central bank instructed several banks and firms, including Alipay, the country's biggest mobile payments platform, to identify clients trading in cryptocurrencies and block related transactions. The announcement, which sent Bitcoin's value tumbling, is part of a wider crackdown on cryptocurrencies. Yesterday, authorities shut off electricity to Bitcoin miners in several provinces. Around half the world's Bitcoin mining occurs in China, but that share is falling. Australia said it would, quote, strongly oppose any ruling by UNESCO to list the Great Barrier Reef as being, quote, in danger. UNESCO claims that climate change and Australian inaction are threatening the World Heritage Site. Its draft proposal could be ratified in July. Australia reckons that Chinese influence is behind the action and that its protection efforts have been overlooked. The European Union slapped more sanctions on Belarus over its hijacking of a passenger plane last month to detain Roman Pratasevic, a journalist. The bloc agreed to impose travel bans and asset freezes on eight companies and 78 individuals. The new measures target the country's main export sectors. America, Britain and Canada followed suit. ExxonMobil will trim 10% of its American workforce for each of the next three to five years, according to Bloomberg News. In a separate plan, the oil supermajor last year announced 14,000 jobs cuts globally by 2022. Meanwhile, the company is reckoning with its carbon output. A month ago, activist investors installed three directors on Exxon's board in order to push for aggressive emissions cuts. Pedro Sanchez confirmed his intention to pardon the nine politicians who were jailed for sedition after organizing an illegal referendum on Catalan independence in 2017. Spain's Prime Minister hopes that the pardon will quell further agitation for secession in Catalonia, though opposition to it is widespread elsewhere in the country. The pardons will be sent to the Cabinet for approval on Tuesday. And fact of the day. Whereas in 2000, Europe was home to 41 of the world's 100 most valuable firms, today it has just 15. And now, here's today's agenda. Burmese blaze, Myanmar sinks deeper into civil war. 
On June 18th, the United Nations General Assembly passed a resolution calling for an end to the violence in Myanmar. It will make little difference. Bloodshed is engulfing the country. In an effort to quell resistance to its coup launched four months ago, the army has locked up more than 6,000 Burmese and killed more than 850. The hunter disputes that figure. Protesters, initially peaceful, are taking up arms. In cities, underground operatives are assassinating anyone associated with the military government. In the countryside, newly formed militia are attacking army units. Even before the birth of this revolutionary movement, Myanmar was racked by ethnically based insurgencies. Since the coup, several of these ethnic militias have launched offensives against the army, which is overstretched. Yet the junta is far from defeated. Even if the hotchpotch of forces which oppose the regime were to unite, a remote possibility, the army would outman and outgun them. Playing Good Cop pardoning the Catalan rebels. The left-wing cabinet of Pedro Sánchez will today approve pardons for nine Catalan separatist politicians serving prison sentences for organizing an illegal referendum and then unilaterally declaring independence in 2017. Mr. Sánchez argues the pardons will restore Concord in Catalonia, a region of 7.5 million people. Many Spaniards worry he is jeopardizing the rule of law, but many Catalans, including business people, support the pardons. The separatists, who continue to run Catalonia's regional government, say Mr. Sanchez is not going far enough. They want a full amnesty, including for Carles Puigdemont, a fugitive former Catalan president. They also demand the right to hold a referendum on, quote, self-determination for their region, which the constitution prohibits. Even so, polls still show a slim majority opposes independence. The government hopes the pardons will take the sting out of Catalonia's bitter internal division and allow talks about practical issues concerning the region's status within Spain. Floating ice. Eastland's Banki goes public. Nearly 13 years after the global financial crisis took down Iceland's banks, today Eastland's Banki, its second largest, will be floated on the country's stock exchange. The island country spent the 2000s trying to promote itself as an offshore banking haven, accumulating piles of bad assets that tipped over during the crisis. Iceland's three biggest lenders all collapsed in October 2008. The country received billions of dollars in bailout money from the International Monetary Fund. The government rescued part of the former Glitnir Bank, refashioning it into Eastlands Banki. Since then, Eastlands Banki has built a more stable business, catering mostly to the country's 370,000 residents rather than the overseas money Iceland wooed prior to 2008. Although its activities are less flashy, or perhaps for that reason, investors are still interested. The 35% stake the government is flogging will raise $457 million, making the share sale Iceland's largest ever public offering. The music stops. Vivendi votes on Universal. Shareholders will decide today whether to approve Vivendi's plan to spin out its biggest division by revenue and the world's largest record label, Universal Music Group. The French conglomerate proposes to float UMG, giving 60% of shares to Vivendi shareholders. Some investors have complained that the deal's structure would generate a big tax bill, 
but Vincent Bolloré, who controls Vivendi, probably has enough votes to see them off. The recorded music industry's recent performance has been fortissimo. Since its lowest point in 2014, global revenues have grown by 54%. Streaming has made back catalogues more available, since old favourites earn money every time they are played rather than purchased. Yet growth is flattening in the rich world. New audio channels like podcasts and audiobooks compete for listening time, and homemade songs produced without the help of labels like Universal account for a small but growing share of the market. The outlook? A little more sotto voce. Amateur Hour – Paying College Athletes The National Collegiate Athletic Association, which governs college sports in America, has a lot to huddle over when it meets today. It has long argued that allowing players to profit from their fame through product endorsements, autograph sales and the like would undermine their education and professionalize college sports. Student-athletes should supposedly be content with free college tuition, even though coaches, administrators and institutions make millions off their labor. But the NCAA is on the back foot. Yesterday, the Supreme Court upheld a lower court ruling that the NCAA's cap on, quote, education-related benefits violated antitrust law. That comes after almost 20 states passed laws permitting players to profit from their name, image or likeness, though many are yet to go into effect. Scared that colleges in those states will attract the best players, the NCAA now belatedly wants a national standard. Who would have thought an athletics association would be so anti-competitive? Finally, here's the quote of the day from Anne Morrow Lindbergh, who was born on this day in 1906. Only in growth, reform and change, paradoxically enough, is true security to be found. That's it from The Economist Morning Briefing, available every weekday and on Saturdays. You can hear interviews and analysis from our journalists, including our current affairs podcast, The Intelligence, by searching for The Economist on your podcast app or asking your smart speaker to play the latest Economist radio podcast. And as a subscriber, you have access to each week's full edition in audio. Just download The Economist app on your mobile device to start listening. 